Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you that you are the God who speaks and as you speak we may know you truly as you wonderfully are. We thank you for your word written down, your word read, and we pray for this opportunity today. Help us to hear your voice and have our hearts conform to your heart by your work in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, why are you here today? Uh, I expect among us there are different uh, reasons, answers to that question. What's yours? Uh, for most of us, God or Jesus comes up into the answer uh, somewhere along the way, but, but we don't presume that's the case for everyone. Uh, and as your first answer is coming to your mind at the moment, uh, you may ask back, well, what exactly do you mean? Uh, do you mean, why am I here today? Uh, it was because someone invited me. Uh, that would be a great answer, uh, because I invited myself. Great answer too, uh, because I always come. Uh, we can certainly work with that. Maybe you're thinking about the answer to more why church, uh, or why to church on a Sunday, or why to this church and not a different church. Whatever your first answer that comes to your mind, let me say it is great you are here. I certainly wasn't asking, why are you here? <laughs> you can't make a better decision than to do what you are doing right now. Uh, now, we've had lots of visitors uh, here at our church over the years for all sorts of reasons, many of us who now call this our church, uh, and expect newcomers and love welcoming people uh, and being together. Uh, and I could tell you the story of David or Judy or Brian and the story of Nish and Alicia and Megan. Uh, do you know, uh, we've kept an eye on this over the years. Uh, it dropped a little bit during COVID, but more often than not, 45% of the people in our church weren't in our church five years ago. That's an interesting piece of information, isn't it? Uh, and nearly one third of those weren't in any church. Uh, that's the sort of welcoming church we want to be, isn't it? Uh, but to make sense of the stories and your story and my story, uh, we need to see ourselves in the bigger story of what that God is writing, of where God is taking history where he is taking the world and you and I. This is why we encourage each other uh, to be at church each week, uh, to be in a growth group, to be involved in each other's lives and to have conversations about God and what he's teaching you and doing in the world. It's all connected back to this big picture, uh, this heart-grabbing confidence we have, this wonderful news. And so today that's where we're going to start. Start this whole series, in fact, with God's answer to the question, why are you and I here today? So that that answer, so that his answer shapes our answer, so that what he loves and does becomes more and more what we love and do. And here it is. Here is where everything is headed. Here is the mountaintop 
for God's story. We read it out in our reading from Revelation 7. The Apostle John given a vision of the future and he writes, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, that is Jesus. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is where God is taking history, gathering people from all parts and places of the world uh, and down through time. Now, it's just uh, over 20 years since the Sydney Olympics uh, and some of you are saying, uh, well, I wasn't even born then. And others of you were saying that only seems like yesterday or maybe the day before. Uh, but for those of us who were there, it was an extraordinary uh, gathering. It was memorable because of the thousands of thousands of people from right across the world. But the Sydney Olympics doesn't even compare to this gathering. And this gathering, it's not just to be with each other, but it has this greatest privilege of all to be with him. God's people in God's place under God's loving rule. But you will have also noticed in Revelation, uh, there is a division here too. If you read what comes before in chapters 6 and 7, it pictures a day of judgment. The day when every person who has ever lived, you and I included, will be called upon to give an account of how we lived. How we lived in light of how God made us. Uh, how we lived with what he's entrusted to us. Where many will fall under God's anger. And all would fall under his anger. Except... Well, there is this group in verses 9 and 10 who speak of their salvation, who have received God's mercy and kindness despite the judgment that is owed to them. And when we come to trust in the good news of our good Lord, the Lord Jesus, and when we humble our lives before him because he is Lord, well, then we too, we too are counted among that multitude, as with David and Judy and Brian and Nish and Alicia and Megan. In fact, throughout the whole Bible, uh, we see this wonderful goal anticipated right the way back from the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve were gathered around God and had a unique relationship with God. Uh, God's people uh, in God's place under God's rule. That thread follows all the way through to Revelation. The thing is, the break between them then, of course, came so early and soon after their arrival on the scene. Uh, their sin and judgment. And the other pattern that you see, and I've tried to capture it in a picture here, is... Uh, uh, Sorry, I shouldn't have God's people written there. Just ignore that. Uh, but under judgment, people are scattered. 
And when God kept his promises to bless Abraham's family, he brought them from where they were scattered in Egypt and didn't experience his presence. And he brought them to Sinai and then the land where he had gathered them to himself. So scattering and gathering, judgment and rescue... It's the pattern not just of individual stories in the Bible or episodes, but of the entirety of God's plan. And do keep your eye out for it as you read the Bible yourself. But here's the thing. We use the word church all the time, don't we? Uh, But people use it in all sorts of ways, uh, though especially of buildings, like the one we're in right now. Uh, This is where we see what it means. Uh, in this whole gathering thread that comes all the way through God's words. In the first place, it's gathering. It's assembling together. It's being together. In fact, uh, did you know it wasn't originally a religious word? They're two words I'm never going to hope to say again together. Originally, not a religious word. People would church down in their local plaza. They'd get together, you know, maybe down in the markets and talking with one another or making a decision together in a local village or city. Uh, But when we use it, and because of what has unfolded before us in God's plan, well, it still means gathering, but it has this uniqueness that makes it different from being just down at the plaza because now it's not just gathered with each other, but with God, with him and every good thing that comes from him. Now that, that may be our future when we trust Jesus as Lord and that would certainly be good enough on its own, but do you know we are already experiencing that in a very real way now. We read... uh, Uh, Well, we read from Hebrews chapter 10. I want to just uh, take you a bit further on in Hebrews to chapter 12 from verse 22. This is a a verse we read last year together where how in our relationship with God and with one another, uh, being gathered in this sort of big picture sense is already uh, a reality. Uh, We are already the heavenly church. Does that sound strange? Well, look at how the speaker writes of Not the future, but now. This is Hebrews 12 from verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Uh, To the church uh, of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven, you have come to God, judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. How does that make you feel? Jesus' death and resurrection, when we put our hope and trust in him, what he did that we couldn't, he gives to we who couldn't earn and certainly didn't deserve. Life with God, a new relationship, a transformed life, 
and with Jesus as our go-between, both God and man as the one who makes this possible just as he can and does stand now before a holy God and see him in all his glory, so too do we. It's a spiritual reality now. It's not a spatial thing, but a relational thing. And God reveals himself now and is present with us, he tells us, by his word written in our Bibles. And we know, don't we, that relationships, they aren't uh, just one way. And so when we're told Jesus stands before God the Father in his presence and again because we enjoy the benefits of all Jesus has done, then relationally, before God the Father, so stand we, forgiven our sin, able to ask for what we need, confident that it will be lovingly answered. What does that mean for who we are then? It means God didn't save us to be Christians apart. He saved us to be his people together. We meet together like this today because, of, because our togetherness, our unity, as the Bible often calls it, is so vital, so much a part of who we are, it's meant to be expressed. When we place in our, Jesus, uh, our trust in Jesus, we aren't just given a new Lord but a new family. Uh, we're transformed not only to be with God, but to be with each other. And so when we meet together with other Christians like this, it's not just so we can have a uh, individually, you know, all of us in the same room having a me and God experience. It's so that we together in the same room, we may have a we and God experience with each other, and with our God. Now, if you like sport, uh, you know you know how sporty I am. Uh, if you like sport, being a Christian, it turns out, and I'm sorry for the golf fans, is not like golf. Uh, it's actually more like footy. And this gives me an opportunity to put up a, a, an old picture of David Simmons uh, playing footy with the Panthers. Uh, now, the, the reality is, uh, and I'm nothing if I'm not consistent, I am terrible at both sports, if not all sports. Uh, but what I'm talking about here is the Christian life is not something that you can go out and play on your own. We need the rest of the team to be able to play the game. When you became a follower of Jesus, you humbled yourself to say, I'm not independent of God, but dependent upon him. And you may not have realised it at the time, but you also humbled yourself to say, I'm not independent of other people, but interdependent on them. The Apostle Paul makes it clear when he talks about us together so frequently, so often as being a body, uh, a body like this, a human body. He talks about it in, in passages in Colossians and Ephesians and 1 Corinthians. He says we only need one body to have life, and that makes perfect sense, but one body has plenty of interlocking parts. Where each part is part of the body and each part needs the other. 
And so if you ever uh, hear, you know, members being talked about in the Bible or people talking about membership of a church, we don't mean it like they mean, you know, being a member of the club down the road. It's not about paying your fees to keep the doors open. It's actually about something far more extraordinary, about being an eye or an arm or a stomach, essential an invaluable role, you to me and me to you, uh, where we're given these relationships as part of being the church of God. And the best way to express that, the necessary way to live it out, is to be together. Meeting together now with God and with each other. This is why we're here, uh, churching on a Sunday or having our growth groups during the week or in, in other ways that we meet up. But to help us think that through and what does it look like, what do we do when we meet together, come back to Hebrews 10 from verse 19 that we heard read out. And did you notice what it was saying we should do? It picks up on the new relationship that's ours with God and says in verse 19, since these things are true, and then he says the things that are true, he says then, let us, and he says what to do. And as we hear that passage from Hebrews uh, 10, as we heard it read out, as we think on it, there are two things that really strike me. The first, there are things for us to do together. Uh, all the do's are plural, addressed to us as a group. The second is how in verses 24 and 25 uh, makes getting together as Christians essential. So let me read it for us again from verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Today is the starting point in this series as we think about the starting point of God's great plans, which is he is bringing us together but when he brings us together, he gives us one another as gifts to each other so that we might remain in our trust in him. Don't give up meeting together because churching together is essential to foster the relationships that God has already given us. Even when we welcome someone to church that we may not have met before, if they are someone who shares our trust in the Lord Jesus, we are already united with them in Christ. We just now have the pleasure and privilege of expressing it. You also come across this uh, expression that captures what it means to be church. Uh, plenty of times in the New Testament, it's one another, uh, where Paul speaks of this in Colossians 3 from verse 15. So we didn't read this earlier, but I'll read it now. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, he says to the church, since as members of one body uh, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom 
uh, through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. This is why we meet regularly. This is why we meet frequently with God's people, with God himself through his word shaping our minds and our convictions and our conversations and our agenda. Not just because these are God's gifts to see us stick at it, stick with him through this age, though that they are certainly that. But because, as we were reminded earlier, uh, this is at the very heart of who we are. Loved by God, to love him together and love each other. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something uh, that may make some of you feel uncomfortable uh, because uh, when I went to church as a, uh, as a, a young boy, and I, it wasn't a church like this, but it, you know, it was a church, uh, and my mother gave me the, the, the primary role of what to do in church, and that is do not look around at other people, okay? So uh, I want you to break that rule. Look around at each other. No, no, go on, break the rule, look around at each other. Uh, when you look around, you see that we are different from each other, we're at different places and stages of life. Uh, there are different things going on in our lives. We've had all manner of different life experiences, but when we are together, face to face, uh, as with each other now, hearing the word of God to one another, speaking it and living it out, before each other. This is what life is all about. And it's not just Sunday services where we can have this experience either and some churches meet on a different day of the week and we meet also as brothers and sisters in Christ in our growth groups or as people meet up in other ways. Jesus tells us you only need two Christians together agreeing on something that in Jesus' name for him to be present among them. Now that said, uh, in the last 50 years there's been a, 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 a development, I won't call it an interesting development, there's been a development and I wonder if you've noticed it as well and it's because people like me have uh, said to churches uh, as we've led or preached, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Now that's true, isn't it? Uh, and it was said to challenge uh, a culture of going to church out of duty or because the community expectation was there without having conversion or conviction. The problem is uh, plenty of Christians remembered the first bit and not the second, okay? The second being, but if you're a Christian, you will go to church, uh, if you had a car, a car that only started two out of three times you tried to start it, would you consider it reliable? <laughs> then why, if God has saved us for church, would we, think, would we think that we were reliable if we're only getting together with God's people one in three or two in three? Relationships need quantity time in order for there to be quality time. Now, this is where COVID uh, has done us a favour. I don't mean uh, COVID was a good thing. 
But as it stopped us from churching face to face, it, it, it actually had this effect. It, it shone an incredible light on just how essential this really is. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Do you remember COVID? Uh, it was harder to see each other then, wasn't it? It was harder to keep up with as many people. It was harder to relate to each other. It was harder to see the expressions on someone's face. Well, you couldn't see on someone's face that may signal that something's wrong. It was harder to talk about what God's been teaching you in his word lately or to share the stories of how you've seen him transform your life or the life of others. It was harder to have those relational bumps that we need to happen regularly, frequently. That was the first thing I noticed when we got back. And we need all of these things in order to know how people need to be loved. And so we can love them. It was harder to express our partnership, our, our working together shoulder to shoulder that we're going to be talking about over these next four weeks. And finally, there are people who are not here today because they fell out of the habit of gathering. So while when I said it like that, uh, you, know, you know, what was good about COVID, it doesn't sound like there's anything good about COVID or our experience of COVID, but the experience did show us how extraordinary church is in God's plans and purposes. Where the word of God is shaping our priorities by bringing what happens when we are together. Well, COVID has brought that into sharper focus. I wonder if you've ever had that experience. Uh, I've been trying to tidy up uh, the 100,000 files or whatever it is on my laptop and there are quite a few photos. Have you ever had a photo that you've taken that when you look at it and you're trying to remember back to it, you go, I wish I'd taken that photo in focus. That would really help. I wish I could get it back in focus. Uh, if you don't have this problem, I've got a whole collection I can show you. Uh, but that's what having our churches restricted has actually done for us. It's certainly done it for me. I wonder if it's done it for you as well. And when someone can't come to church, like with the COVID time or they're sick or they're housebound, uh, it's our job as a church to work out how we can come to them. Uh, like we tried during COVID and we do through growth groups and our visitation team and even while we continue to live stream at the moment. Uh, it's not the same, uh, but we continue to work at how do we love one another by gathering together one with the other. Now, for those of you uh, who picked up on the sort of the different areas of focus that I mentioned a little earlier on, you may be wondering at this point, are we ever going to get to welcoming and integrating people or welcoming and together? I, I use the two interchangeably. And if you've been wondering why that hasn't come up yet, uh, rest assured we're now in the place where it can. Uh, because everything we've talked about, our life together, shapes and drives our desire to welcome people, to see them experience the distinctive love of Christ 
uh, through the distinctive love of his people. And after the initial welcome, to welcome each other back again and again and again. You've been doing that for me for the last 16 years. Like I said at the outset, if someone is here who is a new Christian, this is absolutely the best place for them to be. I'm not exaggerating, I mean it. But it's the same for someone who has been here for, oh, well, you know, let's use a phrase, sometimes it feels like forever. In fact, even if someone isn't a follower of Jesus, this is still the best place for them to be, hearing the life-changing word of God and experiencing the distinctive love of his people. We, are, uh, we welcome people. We want to see people established in relationships with each other because we have been given the greatest relationship with each other above all relationships. And so we can welcome with a smile and ask kind questions so we get to know one another, we get to know people, they get to know us. That's why we invite people to morning tea and supper later at night church or to one of our growth groups. And if, and if you're here today in that position, uh, we want to love you by what we ask uh, and by how we listen and by what we say in a way that treats you as a person made in the image of God who with us has the extraordinary privilege to be remade in the image of Christ through the saving message of Jesus. And for all of us, you don't have to be new uh, to need those things. We all need them. Uh, and the same word of God meets us wherever we're at. Just as we all need to talk about Jesus and how his word impacts our work and family and holiness and idols. Let me encourage you uh, to take advantage of these, these vision books and to read through them and, and use them as a, uh, to lead your prayers uh, during the time of this series. Uh, and to use the growth group booklets in your groups or at home uh, together in this time over these weeks. But as we have heard God's word today, has our life together uh, come into clearer focus for you? Has your relationship with God crystallised or reminded you of why we share our lives with each other, of why we come together? before God and has our life together challenged uh, perhaps as we've thought about it today has it challenged your habit of meeting together regularly frequently uh, as we live in these last days and the end is so close it's approaching have you been persuaded to express the reality that is already ours and has our life together empowered you so you long to welcome others the Lord is bringing among us uh, into this privileged community? I hope you are. I hope you have been. We are here because the Lord God knows what is best for us. 
He meets our needs. He provides for our every need. And he has gathered you and I together so that we might experience every blessing he has prepared for us in Christ. Let me lead us in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, uh, thank you for uh, reminding us again uh, and we pray bringing into clearer focus uh, what it means to be your church. What a privilege it is to be called your children, members of your family, brothers and sisters with our great elder brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. Shape our hearts and minds, we pray, that they would have the shape of your heart. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you would use us in this time of thanksgiving and looking forward as a church, that we may understand the richness of the depth and breadth of what it means to be your church and by your spirit at work in us. May we reflect that in all we say and do for the glory of Jesus. Amen.